Hello and welcome to this edition of the Matt Adams Podcast, coming to you semi-live from the southeast side of Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Matt Adams, alongside special correspondent, Ann Adams. Hello! And Ann, it's a very special episode for for us for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, this is the 100th episode of the podcast. Yay! I just started on a whim uh, a couple years ago. I'm and... doing celebration just <laughs> Started on a whim a couple years ago, and, um, you know, we've had our ups and downs as far as being consistent with the <laughs> podcast. Hey, that's COVID-19, that's work, that's married life. It is, and yeah. we got a little dog. Uh, we got cute little animals of. to love and yep. take care of. We got a dog so. and a gecko and a turtle and trying to write around stuff, too, doing my writing stuff, so... Um, you know, we've not been the most consistent, but hey, we've still made it to the 100th episode. And we, uh, just kind of fortuitous, we didn't really plan it out this way, but, uh, this is the Zack Snyder's Justice League spoiler cast spectacular. So, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League launched last week on HBO Max. Very exciting. Um, you know, and... Not everybody loves Zack Snyder. There's a lot of people who just don't like Zack Snyder. They don't like his vision for the, the, the DC movies. And, you know, we've mentioned plenty of times on this podcast that, you know, we have some issues with maybe some of the way they uh, approach some of their stuff, and we're not going to be changing our minds about any of that. But, you know, the, the long and short of it is, he had a vision, uh, Zack Snyder had a vision for how he wanted this Justice League movie to go. It was a longer movie. And, uh, you know, DC was uh, kind of, WB, WB was kind of hesitant to kind of go in the direction because they'd spent a lot of money on Batman v Superman and Man of Steel. And while, you know, Man of Steel, I think, is probably better uh, received than Batman v Superman, a lot of people did not like Batman v Superman, sort of the dark, uh, gritty uh, version of the DC universe that Zack Snyder had presented. And, you know, they felt like they needed to change gears. And then at the same time, uh, where this movie had finished a lot of its production and was in post-production, um, Zack Snyder's daughter took her own life. Uh, he and his wife, uh, producer Deborah Snyder, tried to kind of put themselves back into the, the, the movie and, and try to finish it up after a couple months uh, after his daughter's uh, unfortunate death. And... Uh, you know, then they just kind of realized they're getting studio notes and all this stuff, and they weren't giving kind of themselves time to get over this tragedy that had happened. So, you know, he stepped aside, or maybe, you know, WB used this as a, an excuse to, to get him out of the picture. It's, it's hard to say. We'll probably never know the full story on that. They brought in Joss Whedon, um, and they said, hey, we're going to have Justice League. You're going you're gonna, to hear some money. You can reshoot some stuff if you want to. We want you to lighten the tone. Um, and also we want this movie to come in at two hours so that two hours are under two hours so that we can, um, you know, get as many showings in the movie theater as we can. We can't show a three hour movie, you know, those can't be successful. <coughs> Avengers Endgame. <coughs> Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but, um, you know, so anyway, what we got in 2017 when Justice League came out was a very compromised movie that was the product of two directors whose, I think, styles are as divergent 
as you can get both from a stylistic standpoint and from kind of a, a political philosophy standpoint as well and kind of what they're known for. Zack Snyder's known for kind of this brooding, darker, desaturated look where Josh Whedon's the guy from Avengers and Buffy and he's known for quippy dialogue and humor and stuff like that. And so you just end up with this version of the movie that uh, just is studio-mandated, kind of cookie-cutter, and doesn't really please anybody. Now, we should point out that Anne and I, you know, we don't speak for each other on everything, but generally speaking, you know, we've watched Justice League a couple of times, the theatrical version, and I've, I get some enjoyment out of it, but it's clearly, again, a product of two different people trying to get those styles to come together and then there's just some weird I mean especially after seeing this uh, this Zack Snyder's cut of it there's some stuff that they added in there that you're just like what you know what are you what are you doing um, with that so uh, I, I just wanted to we're gonna open here for the hundredth episode of the Mad Adams <laughs> podcast uh, we're gonna open we're gonna talk uh, just in general first about our thoughts about this more than four hour cut of Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League and then we'll really kind of dig into deep what are some of the differences with the theatrical version, what worked, and, and some things that, you know, didn't work. So, Anne, I'm going to go ahead and, and open it to, up to you. Uh, let me, just in general, your thoughts. We watched this uh, when it came out on Thursday on HBO Max. Yes, and you were very excited. I got home from work and you were like, are you ready? We're going to watch. And I'm like, okay, let's watch. So um, I liked it. I've actually, I liked it better than the theatrical version, which I sort of expected to. And then, um, I don't know. I think it was just nice because, you know, when you start off, a, it's sort of like with the Avengers, you know, when you start off with one director and you kind of try to keep a central theme and keep like a central look and you keep a central like handle on characters and how you want their story to be presented. Um, it's it's nice when it's cohesive. And I feel like having Zack Snyder do his own theatrical cut of the Avengers. What, uh, not the Avengers, sorry. the Justice uh, League. Of Justice League. If you have him do his own cut of Justice League, it's kind of nice because you actually kind of see what his vision was always supposed to be. And I think that carried well over, even though we are not big fans of Batman v Superman, it's nice to actually see his carry-on vision. Oh, there, there, there is definitely a through line between Man of Steel and BVS into Justice League in the Zack Snyder version yeah, that I you feel don't like, get. Yeah, I feel like Joss Whedon's is like, uh, you know, Batman v Superman's over here, and then... You know, Justice League is like way over there on yeah. the other end of the spectrum. And it's like, you know, aren't, isn't there supposed to be some sort of cohesion between the two? Like the obviously the events of Batman v Superman were supposed to bleed over into the Justice League. Because now that Superman is gone, supposedly this opens up the world to, you know, even more, you know, dangerous big elements threats. and yeah. big threats who are going to be coming to earth because Superman's not there to protect them. So, um, yeah, I mean, in general, I liked it. I liked, like you said, I liked that there were multiple parts. Um, I felt like that sort of gave everybody a moment to sort of shine, even though they started out the movie, which was great. And they did like a whole through line from the death of Superman and how it affected 
everybody. Like they showed the how the um, his death was felt by all the boxes, right? And who that were in the care of all the different um, sections, you know, by you know the Amazons and the um, the um, Atlanteans, Atlanteans, sorry, and then, and then cyborg <laughs> and the cyborg, yeah, cyborg. The, they had the other mother box. So it was nice to be able to see that at the beginning because we didn't get that with the other <clears throat> with the other Justice League. It just sort of. I don't know. It felt like multiple stories. And then at the end, we're sort of everybody was thrown together. Yeah. And it really didn't give everyone enough time together. Whereas this sort of did a great job of weaving things. I think I think instead so. of just kind of doing separate, 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 separate together. It was like it sort of weaved everyone together in a very a more cohesive way, I would say. And I think one thing, um, the parts worked very, very well. And one thing that you point out, like when we were watching, was it goes from that scene um, of Superman's anguish scream that mm-hmm. wakes up the different mother boxes. And then doesn't it go like directly into uh, Bruce Wayne trying to recruit Aquaman? Yeah, it was really strange because it started out um, the theatrical version the joss whedon version started out with just him on the mountain because i don't it, think it, it actually had... started out with that rooftop scene with the, rooftop the parademon uh, and the burglar oh that's because right. they were trying to set up that's the parademons right. uh, smell fear because that's how steppenwolf that's was right you are so version. right okay but then, then i think after that then it yes because i that. feel like that that was at the beginning of the movie so i think it worked better that they showed you know obviously what happened to superman but then all of a sudden they just cut to Bruce Wayne on the mountaintop going in search of Aquaman. And it was like, I felt like there should have been a, I don't know, one year later, two year later, because as you continue after he gets back from trying to recruit Aquaman and obviously is unsuccessful, you know, you see Lois Lane. I mean, it's obvious that it's been at least months, if not years since Superman has died because he has a headstone, you know, there's no fresh grave, you know, fresh dirt on his grave. Everybody seems to have kind of moved on and, and done different things. So, um, yeah, there's obviously some time that's passed. And I think it would have been nice if they had sort of separated that a bit. I but... think, I, and I think you, you pointed out the easy, there's a super easy fix yep. to that. And that is to move that chapter break that comes a little bit later. Yes. Just move that chapter break to after that Superman opening scene. And it, they, then they don't have to say, you know, three months later yes, or whatever. exactly. It, it implies that some, some time has That's passed. That's true. Because I think it's it showed Bruce on the mountaintop. And then as he's getting close to the village, it has the, it has the chapter break. You know, chapter one... Don't count on it, Batman. Don't count on it, Batman. Is, 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 I, yeah. the, I think is, that's is what the, it said. I couldn't remember yeah. exactly, but yeah. So I think you're right. I think that would have been an and easy solution. That would solution. have been a super easy, um, logical place to put your chapter break. Yeah. You know. I know. It's it's so funny. Everybody's probably listening to this going, what? Oh, okay. But see, that's the kind of stuff that absolutely drives me bonkers about movies like this sometimes. I hate that. Especially like if I'm reading a book or something and I feel like something just didn't, you know, get addressed. Like it didn't like get, it just goes right into something else. It's like, well, whoa, wait a second. I need a break or something. I need some kind of, you know, I know it might not be important to some people, but it was important to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> e- either yeah, your options are three months later. Mm-hmm. Just little super on the bottom of the screen, or put your chapter break right after that opening scene with Superman, just to give you that sense that 
a little bit of time has passed. But mm-hmm. that's that's just um, our opinion. But the, the chapter breaks were nice because um, if you think about sitting down watching something that's four hours long, oh, yeah. you're kind of like, ugh. But this gives you a chance. When you see a chapter break, um, if you need to pause it, go use the bathroom or take the dog for a walk, which, you know, we did. Um, it gives you that freedom. If you don't feel like watching four hours of it all in one night, then you can just stop at one of the chapters yeah. and pick it up the next day. So I think splitting it into chapters was really smart. My understanding from kind of reading some interviews and stuff was that Zack Snyder's plan, because when they announced this, originally he had said it was going to be a miniseries, that basically they were going to release different parts of it. So you would have had your chapter one, your chapter two, and, and so on. But I believe because of some of the contracts with some of the stars mm-hmm. and stuff, that would have changed like the form of um, the the piece of entertainment. So it would have transferred it, uh, transformed it from a movie into a miniseries, and they would have gotten into kind of some uh, contractual problems with that. Like they would have had to have re- redone contracts, which would have been a headache. And or they would have had to get new contracts since they had changed the form of uh, the, the entertainment piece. So I can understand why. So the good compromise is to go ahead and release the four thing as uh, the whole thing as four hours, but just have the chapters. Yeah. And I, I think it worked really, really well in that way. Um, and sort of alluded to, you know, uh, I'll give my thoughts in general, and then then we'll we'll delve kind of back into the what worked and what didn't. Um, I I think it is a superior Justice League. I don't think there's any doubt about it. It feels like a more fleshed out world. Mm. It feels more connected to Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, for better or for worse. I mean, this is the 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 universe that you've got, so make it feel like it's this part of the same thing. Um, BVS opens with a scene that is. Bruce Wayne's view of the end of Man of Steel, in which, you know, you have the Metropolis battle between Batman and Zod, and you've got a lot of destruction in the city, and it affects Bruce Wayne in a, in a deep and, and personal way. And then this movie starts, uh, Justice J- Zack Snyder's Justice League starts with the end of Batman v Superman, of Superman sacrificing himself, and then it sends out those call to, to the mother boxes, and so you, you kind of have this cohesion between those those three stories. And so I think that was good. Um, I mean, it's four hours. It's long. I think the epilogue was a little self-indulgent. We'll, oh we'll, 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 we'll get into that. <laughs> um, I, I think there's a really good three, and we'll probably you'll hear me say this again <laughs> later in the podcast. There's probably a really excellent three-hour to three-hour and 15-minute version of this movie that probably would have, you know, pleased the studio okay and, and pleased the fans that they could have done. And it's really weird some of the things that they extracted from this movie and replaced with Joss Whedon's reshoots that didn't need to to be no, replaced. not at all. Um, not I think everything that's works. what surprised me because, you know, I think that's what surprised me was how much of Zack Snyder's stuff was actually in the original I thought Whedon would just go to town and really, but really all he did was put touchy-feely stuff yeah, in Yeah, touchy-feely there. reaction shots, jokey things. And it was more, yes, it was touchy-feely, it was jokey things, and it, but it made it a whole different movie. Right. But yet when you're watching this, you're like, wait a second, that was still in the original cut. He just, like you said, did a better job of fleshing things out 
to the point where we could understand them better. Whereas Joss's main goal was what the studio wanted, yep. which was something that families would enjoy, kids could watch. It was under make you it know colorful, two hours, make it funny, exactly, and it would be as successful as you know the Avengers. So. I, make, I think probably the worst thing the studio did uh, to Josh Whedon is to mandate that it's got to be a two-hour movie. Oh, and, and if you know anything about Joss, he ran into this problem a lot with Firefly, with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was not meant to write Age for television. He was know, not he, meant he to write... He was not meant to write for television. And when he went to movies, he ran into the same problem because he always wanted to put more in there, put more in there, put more in there. And they're like, Joss, you've got to cut it down. You have to cut it down. And it's amazing that he's able to do it and still sort of come up with a vision. I have to say, kudos to him for at least, you know, most of the stuff he's done movie-wise, whether it be Firefly, whether it be, you know, the, um, the Marvel movies. He's done a pretty good job considering how, like, tight he's had to do it. But, yeah, he's definitely not the kind of person that is a, let's make this, you know, he gets it done, but it's not always something that he's good at. I, I definitely understand why they brought him in to do it. It's an ensemble piece. That's where mm -hmm. his strength is. He's done big, epic scale superhero movies before. This was a different ensemble piece. Oh, for sure. It was, yeah, Batman v Superman set a tone that I don't think anybody but Zack Snyder could have continued. I agree. Unfortunately. I agree. All right. Sorry to interrupt your thought. Continue. No, 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 no. That's that's totally fine. That's what this is a uh, discussion in a spoiler cast. I know. It's like you're sitting here with us in our living room after we've watched <laughs> the movie and we're discussing it. Yes, that's what we do. Uh, we just didn't quite have time to get in a second viewing of the four-hour movie, so you'll have to uh, apologize if some of our recollections of everything is not quite one, two, three. Well, ABC. we tr we we try, and Matt Matt's there to help me because I don't always remember things very well. He's like, you know, like with the. You know, um, Batman, you know, don't count on it, Batman. See, I would not have remembered that. Yeah, and I remember a couple of the other chapter titles, but I don't remember yeah. all of them. So, uh, but but that that's the, that's the one that I definitely remember. And uh, that first one. So basically he's saying don't listen to our commentary while you're watching the movie because it probably won't match up very well. Are you glad well. that, that I decided not to do our original vision for this podcast, which was to just turn uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League on for four hours and just comment on yes, it? Yes, I'm very glad. <laughs> we're... we're Aiming for our usual podcast length here, about an hour, hour and a half or so. So we'll, well, we'll, we'll see. see how we do. We'll see how that goes. I don't know. Maybe it'll have to be a Joss Whedon cut. Who knows? <laughs> the Snyder Cut of the Snyder Cut podcast. Oh. Um, what worked for me, uh, we talked about it. I think splitting it into chapters was a good idea. So it didn't exhaust people who necess didn't necessarily want to sit down and watch a full four-hour thing. Um, I think just in general for, for pretty much every other character, I think they have better story arcs. Oh, for sure. I was very happy to see especially more Barry Allen in there. Yeah. Oh, yes. The the part with him going to get the job at the as a dog <laughs> walker was like one of my favorite parts of the movie. And I felt like it really kind of colored him in a way that the original cut really didn't show. I mean, obviously it showed him with his dad. I think that was really the only outside scene we saw. Yeah. Was him with yep. his dad and then, and then he Bruce comes Wayne back comes to, to his yeah. yeah, he comes back to his lair and Bruce Wayne's there. But I thought that, that was a really great scene because it kind of shows how he's using his power. Which is nice because in on this in the same vein you're also seeing how Cyborg is not using his power. 
Um, but then he, how he comes to actually want to use his power. And it's not because of, like they see, show in the original uh, Justice League, it's not because, you know, he's asked because his father's in danger and because of this and that. It's not because the um, Justice League asks him to help them. It's because his father left him a recorded message telling him his abilities and how he can turn something that happened to him that was bad into something good. You know, he's like, you may hate me, you know, but I tried to do this as a way of not being there for you as you were growing up. I wanted to give you a second chance and me a second chance. So let's not waste it. And he learns that he can do different things. So when the Justice League approaches him, he's more willing to do it out of a sense of wanting to help the good rather than... Because the plot needs him to. Yeah, rather than because... The, <laughs> thank you. That's a good way of putting it. Because the plot needs him to. I felt like he was really... Like, I don't know. One thing about Joss is he's very focused on the non... Um, like, kind of the ones that everybody overlooks. He's always, But yet he overlooks important people. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, he's very focused on women. So, Wonder Woman Gets got it. a yeah. lot of play. Which I thought was kind of strange in the original cut because she just had a movie that came out. And yet, she was almost pointed as, like, the leader well, of everybody. There's a, there's a reason for that. And that reason is that a lot of people did not like Man of Steel and they did not like Batman v Superman. Oh, so they but felt a like lot they of people love the Wonder Woman movie. Well, who doesn't love Wonder Woman? So, I love Wonder Woman. So they wanted to put her front and center in their marketing and they wanted to put her front and center but in that movie it to, to get some of that yeah, sweet Wonder Yeah, it doesn't Woman work, movie. though, for, especially for people who are fans of Justice League, who are fans of the comics, who are fans of, you know, the universe in general. It doesn't work because you know that Batman is the leader of the Justice League and Superman. Right. Like, in, they're in like the heads. Yeah. And, I mean, Wonder Woman's there. She's a driving force. She's a leader. But she's not the focus. And I felt like he really focused on her. Well, and and they kind of put her at an, in an antagonistic position mm -hmm. with Batman in that. Justice League in the theatrical cut. You know, he yeah. makes that crack about Steve Trevor that just, you know, doesn't, there was no reason for it. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of butt heads in the in the theatrical version. Yeah, where they're and really supposed to work together. Where they need and you to be saw more together. of that in the Justice League, the Snyder cut. It was nice to see that. You yeah, didn't be because see so they, they, they both know um, Batman has a feeling because he's had these premonitions about something very bad happening to the world and he needs to get everybody uh, assembled together. Um, and then Diana comes in and she knows, you know, he's like, there's a war that's going to come. And she's like, well, hey, dude, it's already here. And she's able to explain about the mother boxes and dark side. I and thought all that, that stuff. worked so much better than the way they did it in the original cut. I just felt like the original cut just really kind of was too fast it was too, everything was too fast whereas, nothing had any weight in oh, that whereas theatrical the cut. snyder cut was great because you know she's able to like go to you know the parthenon and actually go down into the basement see all the history and then sort of be able to again weaving i feel like that's sort of our central mm -hmm. theme here <laughs> weaving he was able to kind of weave it into um when she's talking with Bruce about the threat that's coming, she's able to kind of weave it into the narrative, which I think is great. It's not just here it is. And it, I don't know. It was just not really 
done no, very well in the it original. Was, it, it was, was not clumsy. Done well. It's clumsy. Yeah. Um, nothing has a lot of much weight in the in the theatrical cut. Everything happens too fast, and it's very confusing as to why anything's happening. They they don't really yeah. take much time to explain the mother boxes. Dark Side isn't even I don't believe mentioned in that Justice League theatrical mm-hmm. cut. Um, you know, so it just doesn't. It just didn't work. So being able to have more time to flesh some of this stuff out makes more sense. I mean, I will, even though it's it's a completely different situation, it's similar in the fact that the theatrical version of Batman v Superman is very compromised compared mm-hmm. to the Ultimate Edition that has about a half hour extra footage. I don't think the theatrical cut makes a lick of sense. And no. I, I didn't like it. Um, I don't love the movie, though, but I, I would say... I would say the theatrical cut's a 5 out of 10 for me on Batman v mm-hmm. Superman. The Ultimate Edition's a 7 out of 10. I think it does improve it significantly, and the movie actually makes sense. It's kind of the similar situation here. Justice League theatrical cut, okay, yeah, you can kind of connect the dots on stuff, but in this version, you really understand the threat of Darkseid. You really understand the threat of the Mother Boxes and what Steppenwolf wants to do where those motivations, other than I'm a big bad guy and I can throw missiles at people sometimes, (laughs) um, you don't really have any, you know, idea of what this guy is or what he's doing. Well, and I think that the fact that they were able to sort of dial Diana back a little bit helped them to add extra moments for Barry Allen, for Cyborg, for Aquaman, because those were really, this was the movie we were introduced to them. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was really... Even though Joss is good, like we were talking about with Ensemble, this really felt rushed. Well, like the way it when was it's two done. hours, I mean, you... And you, it would be different if Aquaman had had his movie. And, and Wonder yeah. Woman had had her movie, but Flash had not had a movie. And then we had gotten introduced to Batman, basically in what should have been the Superman sequel movie. Yeah. Again, going back to our problems with the DC right. universe. Uh, uh, again, going with this rushed, they we want really the Marvel money, but we yep. don't want to lay the groundwork for it. And then you're, you're trying to smash all these characters together into two hours. I mean, I think even, even um, I think Zack Snyder was, you know, under that, we want you to do a two-hour version of this movie when he was went mm-hmm. ahead and walked away from it for a multitude of reasons, as we discussed earlier in the podcast. And I was reading some interviews the past few weeks, and he's just like, how are, you've got basically six main characters, and you've got a villain. Um, well, Superman's not necessarily a main character but he still has got to have some time um that you've got to work with him on and then you've got the villain and you've got to set up the throat of the mother boxes and everything how do you do that in two hours when you haven't done the work to explain who aquaman yeah. is and where he comes from and you haven't done the work to explain the flash and what where he is and that from. is truly why the avengers movies are so successful mm-hmm. like we have talked about before because they really did lay the groundwork they did the work. and it's just so sad because i love wonder woman i love you know the flash i love batman and superman i love all these dc characters and it was really depressing and sad for me to know that they just really tried to rush this they didn't give them the love and attention that they really needed to make their movie successful. It's sad because they started so well with Man of Steel and then it just went, (laughs) you know, know, even if, you know, Zack Snyder walks away from this and they need to bring in Josh Whedon, why not go ahead? And I know you've spent a lot of money on advertising and all this stuff. Why not go ahead and delay your movie by a few months and, you know, of course, 2017 was a lot different from 2020 as far as things go. But um, go ahead and delay your movie 
try to get the best move, version of that movie that you can get instead of just setting your arbitrary, this is our release yeah. date, we have to hit it. And I think that was also a big problem as well because mm-hmm. they're under the gun and they wanted to redo it and try to, you know, so it really compromised the theatrical cut of that movie. And, of course, we talked about, you know, they didn't set up Flash, they didn't set up Aquaman, they also didn't set up Cyborg at all. I know. You and, know that... and we, we forgot Cyborg. Uh, I forgot just like Cyborg. Did in the theatrical cut. So. I, first, I forgot Cyborg. It was so bad because it had been a while since we'd seen the original Justice League. And so we're watching the Snyder Cut and I turned to Matt. <laughs> I turned to Matt in the middle. It's like the scene. I can't remember what scene it was, but I looked at Matt and I go, wait a second. What's the Cyborg's character's name again? He goes, Cyborg. cyborg. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Again, it just shows you how much he was neglected. Exactly, in that he version. really was, and it's so sad because when I watched the Snyder cut, I was really impressed with how they really fleshed out Cyborg. He was a great character. You know, Aquaman, the Flash. You know, they got pretty good treatment with um, the original cut, Joss's yeah. cut, because yeah. I think at that point where they plan, they were doing Aquaman, and then they were probably planning on doing the Flash mm-hmm. next. Doing the Flash movie, which so apparently still So that might on. be why they kind of focused on those two and kind of left Cyborg out of it a bit. But I thought, but Cyborg is so interesting. He is. He really had, and Joss does so well exploring complicated characters and people who, you know, are given a really crappy lot in life, but are able to make good. So it's it didn't make sense to me that he would ignore Cyborg so much to the point where people like me who what's know he, about he, he? who know about the comics what's but the are Cyborg not, character's name are not familiar with characters that are as good as Cyborg. You know, we're not going. Who is that? Who's the Cyborg? Cyborg. What is the name of the man dressed as the bat? <laughs> <laughs> Man. No, it, it was. It was. Really he is funny. making fun of me pretty bad for that, guys. It's. It's actually quite funny, but, but, but it was I feel funny, bad. And, and it does go. I mean, in all seriousness, it goes to show how crappily Cyborg got treated in that theatrical. Version. I know. That poor Cyborg. Even think about the guy's name, and then um, <laughs> I mean, he he had the, the by far the the most extra stuff in this movie. Like he has a full character arc. Um, you know, it is the classic character arc of we're you know, here and we're, we end up here. I was just thinking, I think his dad got more screen time in the original cut than he did. And his dad didn't have much screen time. Isn't that sad? I was just thinking about that. And his dad was great. They did a great job with him in the Zack Snyder cut. I thought his role and everything made more sense, but it was a, a shame. He you got know, promoted. Uh, long story the, the, short, the actor I think is Joe Morton. I think, uh, and he got promoted to like super supporting character yeah. in Zack Snyder's director's cut because um, the, the relationship between Cyborg and his father mm-hmm. and how it's strained it's important is very important. Well, just like how you know, speaking of you know, extra characters that got more time in the sun in Zack Snyder's uh, cut, Alfred. Alfred definitely oh, got Jeremy more. Irons killed it. We love Jeremy Irons, so excuse us for going on the Jeremy Irons love train. But we were very happy that he got more scenes in the Zack Snyder cut because his relationship with Batman and how he reacts with the other 
you know, sort of like the the father figure to yes. all of them was very important in the comics. It was very important in the all around universe of Justice League. So it's kind of cool to actually see that in the movie where we didn't really get that before. No, no, they they cut a lot of stuff, and they're not like huge things. It's it's not like Alfred gets a fifteen minute monologue. Yeah, Alfred's not a superhero unto himself or anything, but. He does get very important parts. And, and he gets interactions with the other characters, and it just kind of makes the universe feel more real, I guess. It does. And then, of course, it's Jeremy Because you Irons. have to have the humans in there. You have to have some humans in among, like Lois Lane, and you have to, and Ma Kent, you have to have kind of some humans in there to sort of balance things. Yes. Otherwise, you you just get oversaturated. You just get these godlike characters that have no... Yeah, they have no and it really, like you said, or... it does ground them more in reality as to what's going on and how it affects other people. Because, you know, like we saw with, you know, Batman v Superman, sometimes these heroes, they get so into, and they saw we saw this in the Avengers. What's going on, Howie? My goodness, Howard just barked a big bark. I think he was feeling ignored. <laughs> oh, my. Baby. All right, we're going to pause for just a second here. All right, well, we're, we're back. In the words of Kramer... We're back. <laughs> We're back. Uh, that was Howard v. Amazon delivers there. So we we had uh, an Amazon order that had come, and Howard uh, wanted to make sure that you know there was no uh, threat to the universe, no funny business. And then he he also was saying that he thought uh, after watching Zack Zack Snyder's Justice League that he could have thought there should have been more dogs. And that, yeah, he was a little disappointed in that. So. Anyway, uh, sorry for that uh, brief interruption there, but um, I don't exactly remember what we were talking about, but I, I'm sure that it was uh, very I think insightful. at the last point we were talking about Alfred. Oh, we were talking about Alfred and, and how, you know, it kind of made um, it, some good scenes uh, yes. that they had with Alfred. And I will never argue with more Jeremy Irons. He probably should have had a musical number in there. Well, and we talked about how, or at least I talked about, how Joss really kind of tried to put a lot of touchy-feely stuff in there, whether it be humor, whether it be, you know, people connecting. Like, you were talking about something that was a good mixture of both, which was, you know, you were sad to see that they got rid of the scene where... Aquaman's talking about, you know, his life and, mm -hmm. you know, his challenges and all this touchy-feely stuff. He's oversharing, and this is from a character who is not in, really no. interested in talking about his feelings. And then he looks down, and the lasso of truth <laughs> is around his leg. So and so it was funny and touchy-feely at the moment, you know, that you think, oh, these characters are really connecting, and Joss is really good at that. But I think that with Zach, he really kind of... He found that in the reality characters, in the human characters. I think those people were sort of the lasso of truth for this cut of the yeah. movie. They yeah. really were. It kind of helped them. It helped out, helped flush out some of the emotion in there. Um, I think one of the things that I really liked about, you know, I'm not a big fan of Lois Lane. I'm sorry. Yeah, you don't like the Amy Adams uh, Lois Lane. It's not that you don't like Amy Adams, and it's not that you don't like Lois Lane. It's just that you don't like the Amy Adams Lois Lane. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm sorry. I'm a little superficial when it comes to superhero movies. Uh -oh. I really think that Superman should be with someone a lot hotter than wow. Amy Adams. Sorry, Amy Adams. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But it's true. Um, yeah, I, I like her character though. I like her 
Lois Lane in general. I think she's really cool. She's a very tough lady. She's just very no nonsense. I love her. But, and I think that her really kind of, her scenes with Ma Kent, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. was yep. a total, one of them was a total bust and we were a little cheated out of that. Yeah, oh, for sure. Ugh. And then the one where, um, I think she was really important because in the original cut, and stop me if you think, you know, you have an opinion or if you think this is not what you were thinking, but I feel like in the original cut when Superman came back and he didn't know who he was and he was just like freaking out and trying to, you know, he sees these people as like a threat. He doesn't know who any of the Justice League other than Batman is. Maybe he remembers Wonder Woman. I don't know. But Cyborg, you know, accidentally shoots him and then he goes berserk. Mm-hmm. And Lois Lane, he sees Lois in the crowd and he is drawn to her and he's like, he kind of remembers her. And so she kind of becomes his emotional touchstone. Well, and very important in the theatrical version is that Bruce Wayne had her planted on standby. There you go. Yes. And then I think that, you know, you do see some scenes of him going back to the farmhouse, but they don't really express the fact that him going, her taking him to the farmhouse and spending time with him, which I think, okay, this is so multi-layered, so stay with me, everyone. But I feel like them going to the farmhouse, the Kent farm, was important for him to remember who he was. But in this cut, it was like, yes, it was explained better that that's how he became, you know, he remembered who he was. It wasn't just Lois, it was her taking him there and talking to him and him seeing his mom and all that. I feel like that was really shortened in the original version. The dialogue was different because they reshot that, which again... Because of the lip thing. uh, Yeah, because the lip thing, you you can notice that. And the version here in this Zack Snyder cut was really, really good and powerful. I don't think it needed to be redone. No. I'd have to go. I'd have to go back and look and see what the, the dialogue's different. I don't know exactly how. It's but different. I really think that they it was a little bit too long in the Zack Snyder cut. I felt like we spent too much time at the Kemp farm. I think they could have gone a little bit longer than the original version, mm-hmm. but not as long as they went in this one. I felt like it was just too. Well, maybe, maybe that's why they too overshot it is because they felt that it was too long. Yeah, but yeah, if you're not aware of the lip thing, Matt, you should explain to them the lip thing. Okay, with Henry Cavill. Um, when they decided that they needed to do a lot of reshoots for Batman v Superman, they reshot a lot of Henry Cavill stuff of Superman. Uh, at the time that they requested these reshoots, they were also doing um, shots. Uh, they were filming uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. I think that's the most yes. recent one. Yeah. And Henry Cavill's the bad guy in that one. Spoiler alert, I guess, for that. But it's too late because I already said it. Um, <laughs> in that movie, he had a rather epic mustache, uh, facial hair, in in um, Mission Impossible. Paramount, which would allow Henry Cavill to be loaned out to Warner Brothers for the Justice League reshoots, they were fine with loaning him out. They were not fine with him shaving his mustache. So for the scenes that he reshot for Justice League, they uh, he had his facial hair, and they had to use computer graphics to CG that off of his face. And it creates some very creepy, yeah. rubbery uh, upper lip. Uh, his mouth very just does strange. not look right. It's bad yeah. and noticeable. And so that's 
that's that's how you know the difference between a Henry Cavill scene in the Justice League uh, theatrical cut and the Snyderverse Snyder version is that there is no um, CG lip that you have to worry about for that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's such a weird vibe. So maybe they felt that that scene did go on too long or it didn't hit the beats they wanted to hit, so they redid it. Mm-hmm. And the reason you know they redid it is because it got the rubbery upper lip that just it just looks off it looks wrong so um so you f- I, I didn't feel like that scene went on too long but again it's all subjective that's true you know yeah so, i did feel like it went on a little bit longer than it probably could you know should have but. but but also we're in a movie that's four hours long and everything's long you know it's kind of maybe it didn't strike me as as much but uh, then again you know how much i do like that superman character and um, and I'm always willing to spend a little bit more time with them. Um, and I didn't have this in our original because we actually had guys. We actually put out show notes uh, for this episode. I know. Um, one thing I didn't write down was when Superman does come back. Um, I really like the scene that's kind of in his his ship or the Fortress of Solitude, what have you, where he's 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 finally back. He's reestablished who he was, and he hears. Uh, the voices he's got memories of the voices of Jorel, his father played by Russell Crowe, and then Jonathan Kent played by Kevin Costner, and they're kind of giving him this this pep talk a little bit, reminding him, you know, who he was. Uh, Jorel reminding him why he's been there, and his father encouraging to, encouraging him to be the person that he knows he is. I think it's very, very emotional and very, very effective. Yes. And it was neat because even though you have that past sense of who he was, there's also a, I've died, but I'm a totally different Mm -hmm. person. So it's kind of cool because he's walking by all these different versions of the Superman. I always hate to say costume, regalia, his outfit, (laughs) you know, that's what we always say with the Native Americans when I worked at the Idol Dorg. It's regalia. They always got upset if you said it was a costume because this is their, this was their life wear. This is, you know, and this is Superman's life wear. So his regalia, his outfits, you know, you always, his spandex, you always, (laughs) you always see like these different versions. And I think that like the comics, these movies do a good job of kind of showing the lighter and darker parts of them. Sort of like with Captain America, you know, Captain America had like that real bright, you know, very in your face star spangled band with yeah, the plan yeah, kind yeah. of outfit and then as he when he came back from being in the ice he had different versions of the costume depending on the mood of the movie depending on his role depending on how he was feeling um conflicts things like that and then when they needed him to be captain america again boom he was back in the really bright star spangled band with the plan you know kind of outfit yeah i had to sing that for you because i know you love that song (laughs) but i thought that was neat because they did show a different it was kind of cool to see how he got that costume on you know that costume slash spandex splash regalia super suit super suit is that what he calls it i, <laughs> I don't, don't know. know i'm just kidding i don't know but he puts on this outfit and it's a different version of himself mm-hmm. which I think what did you cool. think uh, of the black and silver superman costume i thought it was cool pretty sharp isn't it i thought it was very sharp i was like "Ooh, that's snazzy now uh in the that was all color corrected uh, uh in post-production uh, because the suit that he wore in that uh, movie was the the blue and red uh, version, 
and that was what was filmed on camera. But Zack Snyder had uh, intended it to be the black suit. That's uh, what Superman. I would think because when he comes back, he's completely different. He he's needs different. a different suit. And um, in the in the comic books, uh, in the Death of Superman uh, comic book storyline, which uh, part of uh, Batman v Superman cribbed from, and then his resurrection uh, coming back, that they they did a little kind of a version of here in, in Justice League. Uh, but in the comic book, when Superman comes back, he does have a black and silver suit. Mm. Um, pretty famous, pretty cool suit. Although he also comes back with a mullet in the comic <laughs> books, so probably a good thing they didn't do oh, that man. necessarily. Um, to have the Superman wow. mullet there, but it's it's a sharp suit. But I think even though they had shot it with the the blue and red, the, the classic Superman suit. I'm sorry, they, I'm they, trying they, to imagine Henry Cavill with a with mullet. A mullet. Well, you, just think of uh, Geralt with um, sorry. A, a slightly shorter Geralt cut, uh, and not not doesn't he have blonde hair in, in The Witcher? Uh, yes. Yeah. So yes. just think think of a, a sl- slightly oh, wow. shorter uh, Witcher haircut only oh, uh, being his natural hair color <laughs> instead of the blonde. Not only was his lip CG, but he had <laughs> What if they'd added a CG mullet, CGI mullet to the Snyder cut? <laughs> okay. All right. Whew. Okay. Got my breath back. Uh, Sorry. But, but, even even though um, while they were okay while they were doing the while, while Zack Snyder was working on the movie um, before the the Joss Whedon version and all that stuff they were still like can we color correct this suit to be the black and silver version if the studio gives me the go ahead to do this and uh, they did some tests and then they realized they could do that they could just swap the colors you know using computer software and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so that that's what they did, and they ended up with uh, with the black and silver suit, which really looks sharp on screen. I think I really like it. I think it looks really nice. I can't I can't believe that I hadn't mentioned that scene with Superman and Jonathan Kent and Jor El in my original show notes. Well, I'm, see, you know, we're we're that's, moving that's and jiving. We're, that's we're moving we're and jiving. It's a it's a crazy free for all where anything see, can that's, happen. That's where you <laughs> that's where you need me. You know, because you got your hands in that dough, and it's a wild scene. <laughs> it's a wild scene. A little Seinfeld <laughs> reference for you there. Um, and then, uh, you know, another thing, um, I don't think he is, by any stretch of the imagination, a great character or a great villain, because he's still kind of there's somebody to be destroyed by the Justice League. But the Z- Z- Zack Snyder's Justice League gives you a better sense of Steppenwolf and more of the overarching, ominous threat that yes. uh, the world faces. Oh my god, yes. And it's it's much better. Again, Steppenwolf, not like Thanos-level character or anything. Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf was so, like, just in generic. your face. So generic And in generic original. in the original. And it was just like, oh my god. I just could not handle him. And But I think the fact that they kind of cut him down and sort of show... The, like you said, the overarching diabolical plan as to what's happening with, like, Darkseid and what's the little medium? Uh, uh, there's a middleman who's middle sort man. of like the other from, uh, yes. from Avengers, and his name's Desaad. Desaad, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, because I'm just like, I thought that that really worked. Even though, I get, okay, maybe I'm crazy, but I get this sense that when they did the original cut... That perhaps they didn't include Darkseid because they were thinking that maybe 
things weren't going to go. This might be the end. This might be the, the end. The, so they the didn't want to leave any like major loose ends. I would imagine so. Okay, because that's the sense I got when I watched the Zack Snyder cut was that he had always intended for this to happen. He had, yes. But the way they had always they recut the original with Steppenwolf, it just didn't make any sense. No, and he was a terrible character. And it made character. him a more yeah he's a terrible character when he's by himself mm-hmm. exactly and and because he was always meant to be part of this bigger diabolical arc boy i really like that phrase and <laughs> <laughs> um and so i just i really i'm with you i liked his look better i liked the way they they had him he was actually like movie. he and the parademons were were scary in this version yes. like they they felt unsettling in a way that they didn't in the theatrical well, because they were more in the background kind of in the shadows whereas you really know he's serving a different purpose it's not just all on him right because he can't carry that no he's just no. not that kind of a, a character he's not that kind of a villain no he can't carry it all he's definitely the subservient to a darker higher power yeah and it's nice to actually be able to see that. Now, I don't remember. We did not see Desaad in the original cut, no, right? No, 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 no. Okay, it, it I was, didn't it, think Steppenwolf so. Steppenwolf was the big bad of that theatrical cut. Okay. And while uh, there's sort of a broad implication that there probably is somebody bigger behind it, it's not yeah. It's it's not explicitly stated. I don't believe they ever say Darkseid's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, Steppenwolf's the sole villain. I mean, even it goes to... They have that big flashback where... Um, Steppenwolf had come to Earth and he fights. There's a Green Lantern and there's the old gods and then there's the Atlanteans and, and the men and uh, the Amazons. In that version of that Earth invasion scene, it's Steppenwolf who's out on the on the battlefield. And then in this version of Justice League, they do a, pretty much a very similar scene. It's almost the same scene, uh, but it's Darkseid who is the guy who got defeated and pushed away from earth makes more sense makes more it sense. really does and yeah i mean when you watch it if you haven't watched it yet i think you'll agree that it does make more sense although it, it does wonder how bad their tracking software is that they lost this planet where the only one that they'd ever lost and they misplaced where that planet was and also this <laughs> planet has the anti-life equation on it which we're just now finding out but we don't know where it is <laughs> You think it's just some bad record keeping after thousands it, it, of years? It must be, because, boy, Darkseid really must be... He must not be paying his people well, because they're not doing a very good job of keeping track of all I mean, that. I, I don't. I imagine they have a holographic map and not one that's, like, up on a wall, but don't you put a pin on that? You're like, you know, we've conquered hundreds of thousands of worlds. They should Maybe call this is the Tony one. Stark and get him, <laughs> like, in this sort of, like, a retroactive universe, so he'd still be alive. They could, like, get him... In there, he could, you know, do some fun little stuff. So you could see Darkseid doing the little Tony Stark thing where he's moving stuff in the air. That'd be kind of fun. I, it's, it's not a huge issue for me, but it does make you laugh a little bit. It's yeah. like, okay, you guys have conquered hundreds of thousands or millions of planets or whatever. And there's only one that you've ever lost. Mm-hmm. And you're just now discovering. And it has these three powerful mother boxes that are very important to you. And uh, now, oh, also it has the anti-life equation on it, which is a big thing from the comic books. And you just kind of misplaced it. I mean, did you just did you lose the map? <laughs> I, I did think that was kind of funny. Um, not not a huge not not a, not a huge deal, but, but a it does bit of make a, you it does make you think. It does make you think. You're yeah. just like. But then it shows also that we're total adorkable. Yeah, because absolutely. <laughs> You think about random things like that. Um, now, but I, I do think there is, without a doubt, 
Steppenwolf was improved in this one. Oh, yeah. I think it looks better. I think he's more terrifying. Is it just me, version. or does his face sort of look a little bit like Borg from <laughs> from the Lord of the, from the Hobbit? Is that his name, Bolg or Bolg? I or don't Borg remember or, any of the I Hobbit's don't remember, names. but the no, no, the 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 villain, the the creepy oh, guy. Oh, the yeah, um, I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yes, he does. He's got kind of this Avatar meets creepy org looking look to his face. Like his eyes are like all like. I'm like, oh my goodness, you look like you came from the Lord of the Rings. Okay. A little, little squinched. Yeah, it's like a little weird squint. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Random thought, sorry. And, and he's got this armor suit that's a lot more impressive than what he had. It's very cool. Very it's just spiky. like this like flexy thing. It's almost like an alien unto itself. And you can you can see him kind of trying to work out some semblance of a plan, which you didn't really see that in the in the Justice League cut. Um, and so um, yeah, we'll we'll come back to that. And we're back. A <laughs> uh, little little bathroom break for Howard. So it's uh, Howard interruption number two of this podcast. Actually, Howard, you're so sweet. It's, Look it's at that funny. Tail. He's it, like, it, yes, I know. Because he usually just sits there patiently on the day bed in our room where we record and and just goes to sleep. He's like, they're gonna talk for like an hour, hour and a half, and and I'll just do this. And today. Not so much. Yeah, he's a little needy. That's all right. But uh, so so anyway, yeah, we were uh, talking a little bit about um, Steppenwolf, and you know, we just thought he was a better character in this movie. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I felt bad for him because he's an evil conquering guy, but yeah. you know, what you get is he betrayed Darkseid at some point, and he has a debt sort of to repay. And he wants to get back into his good graces. How many planets? It's something like, some crazy number. I like, think they said 50,000. Um, I was going to say, it's like thousands of planets before. I mean, it could be forever till he's back. It makes me think that they really are making it hard so that he doesn't have to. Oh, in. oh, for sure. Clearly, he he. it's kind of one of those punishments that you can never make up. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, although, I guess from the thousands upon thousands or millions of worlds that they've conquered, perhaps that's, you know. Maybe that's just a, a couple centuries worth of work for him. Maybe. Work it off. You know, you, you, you'll get to it. You Slow and steady wins the race. But uh, anyway, he betrayed Steppenwolf at some point. I get, Or uh, he betrayed Darkseid at some point. And so his punishment is to keep going and, and taking these planets. And, uh, you know, he found the planet with the mother boxes, the planet that they, they had been defeated on uh, thousands of years ago. And so that's kind of a big deal. And then the even bigger deal is that he discovered that the planet uh, Earth has the anti-life equation, which is uh, basically, I mean, you can consider it the DC Universe uh, equivalent of the Infinity Stones and the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, if you have the anti-life equation, you can basically take over anything. So uh, that, I think after he talks about the anti-life equation, is the first time that we see... Uh, the dark side character uh, because he actually presents himself and his communication with him because that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And he's, he tells Steppenwolf, you know, if you gather the mother boxes and take this planet and we get the anti-life equation, then, you know, you'll be back in my good graces. Basically, well, you'll have restored your, restored your honor and you'll be back at my side sort of thing. So, you know, again, not, um, not a, a major league great character or a tragic figure or anything like that, 
but you definitely get more from Steppenwolf in this version of the movie than you did from the theatrical, where he was just a mm. generic CGI thug who, you know, was, the only reason he was there was so that the Justice League had somebody to fight. And I love to see that they were back in uh, Russia or wherever they were at the where the nuclear disaster <laughs> happened. But I have to say, I did not miss the Russian family. You didn't miss the Russian family with not the bug spray all. and Dostoevsky I, and all that? Yeah, did not miss that at all. <laughs> I also did not miss, uh, for whatever reason, when they did the, the color coding for the for the scenes there at the end in the original version, they decided to give everything a red tint in the sky. Yeah. And that was gone, and I, I didn't miss that. Uh, I, you know, they, they actually sort of did an Ocean's Eleven type of briefing scene Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of let everybody in on what the plan is on, um, you know, stopping Steppenwolf and and all that stuff. And I appreciated that because they just sort of, in the theatrical version, they just kind of go and do whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, they do have Superman and Flash uh, save some people in the theatrical version, which they didn't do in this one because I think they made the calculated decision to set... Uh, Steppenwolf took over a place that was not populated. It had been, uh, you know, um, damaged in some sort of nuclear explosion or whatever. So it was uh, a place where there weren't any people. And so they didn't have to worry about, you know, kind of uh, writing that into sure. saving. But And when they did the theatrical version, Josh Whedon wrote that uh, Russian family uh, that lived right next to that reactor, apparently, uh, into it. And we kind of followed them in some scenes. And it just was kind of random. They didn't really have any integral yeah. part in the plot other than Flash push their truck and then, because he doesn't speak their language, goes Dostoevsky and then runs off. <laughs> it did set up kind of a funny gag, though, where, you know, uh, Flash was pushing their pickup truck, and then he looks over, and Superman has, like, this entire apartment building that he's picking up and, and taking, which was kind of funny. Oh, that um, is kind of nice. And I did kind of like their post credit uh, scene in the theatrical version where they were going to settle who was the fastest. Oh, uh, yes. You know, the Flash or Superman, because they both have super speed. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the moments that did work in the theatrical cut were in this uh or the uh, Zack Snyder's cut um you know like I love that scene where Superman comes back and he's fighting the the Justice League and then Flash goes into action and he gets into super speed and then like you know out of the corner of his eye Superman looks at him and the Flash is like oh my gosh he can you know he's he's fast enough that he can see me and, and that's a beat from um the theatrical version that was just in Zack Snyder's version all yeah. along um you know, it's it's kind of one of those things. It's it's silly, but I like I love it when um, Cyborg catches Aquaman. And he goes, "My man!" I always like that. That was back yeah. in there. Uh, a couple things they did uh, take out. Uh, dressed like a bat. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, I think we mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but I, that's one of my favorite lines from the theatrical version. And they set it up in this version too. So I don't know if they just did, didn't ever pay it off. But you know, in the in, in this version, uh, when Aquaman meets Bruce Wayne, he's like, so you really dress like a bat, you know? And, yeah. Uh, but they, they did lose some of the jokes. Um, you know, uh, Batman or Bruce Wayne doesn't say, I hear you talk to fish and stuff yeah. like that. Um, was it just big me losses. or was it, it feel like the fight scene at the end was longer? I think it was longer. Yeah. I think it was a little bit longer. Also, I believe that scene that they had in the tunnel, um, 
you know, where they, they had kidnapped the Star Labs scientists and stuff. Oh, yeah. I believe that sequence was longer as well. It felt longer. Felt, yeah. felt a little bit longer. Um, felt a little more purposeful, too, uh, I thought. Um, an interesting thing, too, is while The Flash is still kind of a rookie at this superhero business stuff, he's not nearly as uh, hesitant to mix it up in the uh, Zack Snyder version as he was in... Uh, the Josh Whedon version, yeah. because in the Josh Whedon version, uh, Batman was sort of Iron Manning, uh, Flash as his Spider-Man in a sense, um, in which he was sort of mentoring him. And when they did get into that uh, tunnel fight, um, you know, he was just like, just save one person, and you'll you'll know, you'll understand what it's like. Uh, but in this in this version, uh, because Flash had already uh, rescued that girl that was yes. in the car crash earlier. Um, that he, was the scene we were talking about that mm-hmm. they added uh, before he goes to see his dad in prison where he's audition- yeah. not auditioning, he, he's going but he's for a job interview. job interview for a dog walker, yeah. And um, so the, anyway, while he's doing it, there's this car crash and there's a slow motion scene and a pop song plays and he's looking longingly at uh, this, this woman that he's saving because she's young and cute and, you know, and... <laughs> And then he, he saves her from b- being injured in this horrific car crash. So they've already established in this version and um, that Barry Allen, the Flash, has at least saved some people. He's probably not been a lot of been in a lot of like knockdown, drag down oh, no. fights or anything like but that. But he's sort of like the friendly neighborhood Spider Man yeah. where he helps everybody yeah. every once in a while. You know, and he's there. Um, he didn't really have I, I guess I, and I, I know the reason for this, but Flash didn't really have a lot to do in, whole, in the in the last in the final battle Mm-mm. because his his purpose was because he can get these electrical charges if he goes fast enough, and they needed that to help intercept the mother boxes that had formed the Unity and uh, need to be pulled back out. So he just basically needed to run and keep running until it was time for Cyborg to tell him, "Okay, this is this is our moment." And it's um, kind of shockingly in this version. The heroes fail initially um, when they do this, and then because the Flash um, can do a little bit of time manipulation, then he goes the fastest that he has ever gone is able to you know reverse time by a few seconds. They get a do over and they're able to pull the the mother. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool how that how that works. But that also explains then why Bruce Wayne had that dream about them not winning. Isn't that what it was about, his dream? His dream was a world in which Darkseid had taken over yeah. and Batman, or uh, Superman was I guess I never really lieutenant. made too much of a connection before that that's where that came from. I thought, well, maybe it's just a premonition that they're not going to win, but maybe it has. it's tied into the fact that J- Zack Snyder, you know, it's almost like separate realities yes, in a way. Like It's almost so. like a, it's like the... You know, Avengers, where they kind of go off into different timelines in a way. Yeah, and it's kind of like, um, you know, in in this version as well, um, it, it's almost a fake out for the audience in a certain way because you think that uh, if they stop the mother boxes and they stop Steppenwolf, that everybody saved. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, they went ahead and they did that. They brought Superman back and they were able to win the day. But, you know, now Darkseid has that sort of that Thanos moment where he's like, I'll do it myself. You know, he's like, we'll do this the old way. So even though they won the day they stopped the mother boxes, they stopped the unity from happening, uh, Darkseid is still going to come, you know, for the Earth. Yeah. And um, that's what, you know, we, we all, I guess my thought was the Flash was mourning 
um, Batman or Bruce Wayne about the mother boxes. And that's why if we don't win the mother box thing, then everything's going to go to crap. But as it turns out, they can still beat Steppenwolf, stop the unity and the mother boxes, Mm -hmm. and still lose because... Uh, Darkseid comes and he brings more parademons and all that stuff with him and a fleet and stuff and uh, is able to obtain the anti-life equation and then turns Superman against Earth and that's what the nightmare reality is. Mm. Um, But yeah, so not really a fake out but maybe recontextualization from what maybe necessarily I was thinking that it was. Well, and speaking of spending more time on scenes, um, I feel like that the battle with the Amazons at the beginning was a lot longer and a lot more fleshed out and better, really. It It made a lot more sense. It was nice because I enjoy the Amazons. Mm -hmm. I enjoy Johnny Nelson's character. And and also um, the Aquaman. There's a lot of... um, extended scenes with the Atlanteans and speaking of epic mullets can we <laughs> talk hair. about can we talk about William Defoe's hair now can you imagine like if this if this cut was the cut that was released, if the Zack Snyder cut was the one that was released, and you saw that hair, and then Aquaman came out and you saw him, like, it, he put it in a bun, you're like, oh, thank God, because oh, I don't goodness. think I could handle any more, like, hair motions, you know? It's just, Yeah. It's like CGI. I wonder if it's CGI hair or if it's his real, like, real hair. I like, think, if he I had think, to, like, get a wig or whatever. I, I'm assuming that it's a wig. I don't okay. think it's CGI hair. Yeah. I mean, they did it for Brave. She has CGI hair, and they made it m- magically look real. But, again, that's animated. So, But still, it's amazing what they can do nowadays. Maybe maybe they could give him some some hair. Some flowing locks. But yeah, I, I love Willem Dafoe, but he was uh, a little scary with Oh my. I, I certainly in I certainly uh prefer the pulled back. Yeah, he of looked Volko. very he looked very scary with that hair. I'm like, "Whoa." Also, and one thing that's it's pretty subtle and weird is that in Zack Snyder's version, uh Amber Heard's character has a British accent. Did you catch yes. that? Yes. Yeah, and she doesn't in the Aquaman movie, mm-hmm. and she did not in the Justice League theatrical cut. Now, are they planning on doing more Aquaman movies? Mm-hmm. I believe okay. so. Yeah, I think they're. Do you think she'll be in those? Not Ooh. to like, not to like branch off onto a completely different subject, but I'm I'm very curious how they're gonna handle that. I haven't heard. My my understanding is that she's still going to be in Aquaman sequel. Okay. Um, because like she's. She and Johnny Depp, that whole thing. They, yeah, they if kind you've of... been living under a rock, you probably don't know that she and Johnny Depp were married for, what, two, three years? They weren't very married very long. They apparently had epic domestic... They, they had were, a lot of They were so in love, and it was so passionate that they had all these fights. Like, she accused him of being a wife beater. He accused her of hitting of him. Hitting him. I yep. mean, she took him to court in Britain and basically just dragged him through the mud. Yep. He was basically is facing a lot of defamation. Um, he was pulled from Warner Brothers. They they're not using him for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them anymore. Yeah, and I don't th- uh, any um, any Pirates of the Caribbean. Nope, I don't he's think being he would replaced be for that. So and it's almost like a double standard now. Everybody's talking about how it's a double standard and how Amber said all these terrible things about him. And he said all these things about her. You don't know what's true. Yet he loses his job and his reputation because he's the man in the relationship and has been labeled a wife beater. 
and she somehow gets to keep make, making movies. And I, I believe he he sued for libel uh, mm-hmm. over in overseas and yeah. lost. Well, it's so funny because Warner Brothers is making the Justice League movies, and yet they're also doing Fantastic Beasts and the Harry Potter series. Why is it that they fired him, but they're keeping her? Yeah, it's, I think that's silly. It's, like, why don't they just get rid of both of them? It was a, if it was a completely different situation as far as, like, different movie companies, I could see how that being unequal. But if it's the same movie company, wouldn't you just, to just kind of wash your hands clean of it, just cut ties with both of them? You, you would think that you would. And, and while yeah. I liked Amber Heard in, in Aquaman, I don't think that's a role that you can just recast it and no. find somebody that would do just no, as good of a job. No, it's very true. It's very true. But yeah, it's funny because she didn't have the British accent in the theatrical version. But she, I did notice that. She didn't that. have a British yeah. accent in the Aquaman movie. But in this one, she did have a British accent. And then they had uh, an expanded sequence we'll get to uh, talk about that in a little bit. Um, And she had that accent again and that flashed forward. (laughs) So apparently Zack Snyder just wanted her to talk with a British accent. It makes her feel a little bit more sophisticated. Maybe higher higher class, more nobility or something. Well, that makes sense because in the Atlantean world, she is sort of nobil, nobility, you know. Nobility. And, and then uh, another thing that I'm glad that they kind of uh, ditched was when the Atlanteans want to talk to each other in this movie, they have to form an <gasps> yes. air bubble around themselves, which for a culture that lives underwater seems a little unwieldy, and they pretty much just toss that out the you know, in the in the trash for the Aquaman movie. They didn't yeah. they don't have to do that. Um, but for the short scenes it made sense, yeah. you know, every once in a while they'd throw a bubble around if they're gonna have long conversations. But I think, yeah, it was nice that they got rid of that for the Aquaman movie because if you have a whole movie of that, just that the Atlanteans to, okay, doing all let's, these let's stop and make an air bubble. <laughs> and make an air bubble. Everybody come together and let's make an air bubble. It's just, yeah, it is a little awkward. You're very right. And, and, and also in the uh, theatrical cut, Steppenwolf just sort of shows up in Atlantis like, mm-hmm. and knows that the mother box is there and takes yeah. it. And in, in this version, he has to do a little bit of work to, you know, they, yeah. they take parademons down to Atlantis and they drag Atlanteans out and they interrogate them to find out where they keep their mother box. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how they know. Um, that that fight's pretty good down there, I think, with uh, Mira and, and Aquaman shows up later um, in Steppenwolf. So, Well, and they didn't really... Did they show... I'm trying to remember, in the original cut, did they show um, how Arthur got his trident? I don't believe... No. Because he just shows up he in the cave yeah. to save them when they're trying to get in the crawler, you know, when they're underneath the, the bay. And they're in the tunnel... And they're, um, I'm trying to think. Maybe, does she give it to him in that version? I, I, I don't I, it, remember. It's been a while since but I've it seems seen that like it just sort of shows up. Whereas this one, they show a little bit better about. Take up your mother's yeah, trident. Yeah, they give him, yeah, they give him the choice. They leave the trident there for him to decide. The if time he's... is yours, Arthur. <laughs> and he's Stop pulling. Stop staring at my hair, Arthur. <laughs> he's pulling out his William Defoe, <laughs> or I should say Willem Defoe. Willem Defoe. It's not a very good Willem Defoe. Willem Defoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. It's better than <laughs> it gets, most. It gets the point across. Better than most people. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like that. I like that scene. Um, and you you were totally right about the the Amazons fighting against Steppenwolf. It's a it's a better action scene. I could just watch a movie about the Am- just the Amazons. I'm surprised they haven't just 
done one. I mean, because yeah. really, honestly, the best part of Wonder Woman 1984 is that opening like yes. Olympic scene with the Atlantis. That's with the pretty Amazons. cool. That's pretty cool. On Themyscira. Oh, uh, we won't we won't get off on Wonder Woman 1984. No, was... I don't think we've talked about it on this podcast, but big thumbs down from us on that one. Yeah, maybe we'll touch on it another time, but yeah, we don't want to go off on too far of no, a tangent because no, no. there's so much you can unpack with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess um, to, to summarize with with what we like and and put a caveat to it, if you hated Man of Steel and you hated Batman v Superman. And you don't like Zack Snyder's 300 or Watchmen or any of others, his you other movies. You might love to hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, this this isn't going to really change your mind. No, no. But if you go into it with an open mind and you were kind of disappointed in Justice League or you kind of like Justice mm-hmm. League, I think you can watch this and see that it's a better version of the movie. Mm-hmm. And and while it hits a lot of the same stuff, I, I keep reading from a lot of people... Uh, people who uh, some of the critical reviews that that didn't like the movie and right now it's got like a 74 percent on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. um which is pretty good for a Zack snyder movie because they do tend to be divisive for people um but I, i've read from a lot of the people who didn't like the movie that it's just a it, there's just a longer version of justice league and i, I think that's a discredit no. to it i think they've added i think Zack snyder added a lot to this movie, and yes. while some of the story beats are the same, as far as you know, Bruce Wayne's got to recruit the the force. Oh yeah, I mean, and, we and were like stuff. I said, we were surprised by how much really was in yeah. the Joss Whedon version from his original. But and, yeah, and, you know, bringing the team together and resurrecting Superman but and, and having Steppenwolf go up the mother boxes, the yeah. Godfather. You know, we yeah. were talking about mm-hmm. that where they just re released the the Francis Ford Coppola version his awesome version you know the one he wanted to make of the godfather part three and it made so much more sense it was pretty much the same godfather it was just cut in a different way cut cut a few things around left a few things out it made so much more sense than the original version and i think that's sort of a good comparison with this like it's just a justice league that's just made worked around a little bit and made better. Yeah, I just don't agree with the uh, it's just more Justice League. Cause yeah, it's not it, that it's way. Def- I mean, in a sense, it is more Justice League. It is twice the length. <laughs> oh, my God. And but, it had that Lord of the Rings, like, is it ever going yes, to end? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And it had a little bit, honestly, it had a little bit of the Lord of the Rings feel to it, just in the, the, the backstory with the mother boxes oh, and, sure. and, and all that stuff. And then, of course, the... Uh, they didn't do fade to black and then come back like Lord of the Rings did there in The Return mm-hmm. of the King. But, yeah, you're kind of like, is this ever going to end? Um, but I do think it's a disservice to just uh, say, oh, it's the theatrical cut of yeah. Justice League just longer. Uh, because I, I don't feel um, – I, I do feel that everything that's added to it with the characterizations and some of the different motivations and the more um, – it's weird to say this, that it streamlines the plot, but – it does it in a way that it, yeah. it's understandable, whereas they did so much streamlining in the theatrical version that it just didn't really make any sense. You didn't have a sense for the stakes of everything. Mm-hmm. Steppenwolf was a nothing villain. Um, you know, again, if you don't like Zack Snyder stuff, if you don't like, if you don't want anything to do with the direction yeah, of you're Batman, not, v. you're Superman, not going to be like convinced it. that it's like fantastic. You're no, not going to. No, be. there's just it's no not way. Happen. It's not going to happen. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Oh, we didn't even really touch on the aspect ratio. This is not yes. shot in 16, point, uh, 16 by 9. This is a 4 by 3 um, presentation. 
and uh, I think we agreed that it, it worked. was fine. Yeah. It worked. Um, the only time we really ever noticed, you know, the bars on the side was when you were in like a lighter environment like and the kent farm movie, so you didn't have to worry about that no i'm kidding I'm the kidding. kent farm or whatever you could see the bars you know because it was light prominent. they were outside in the sunshine so you could kind of see it but mostly it's like you said it's Zack snyder movie so it's going to be a little bit more um of a dark overcast yeah, desaturized so picture. you're not gonna yeah you're not gonna notice it really and it's a real big difference to like as I was telling you, and we were doing a little pre-show warm-up, we actually planned this broadcast out somewhat this time, which we don't always do. But, you know, when, when I watched Star Wars as a kid, I watched it on TV, um, and that was a pan-and-scan version of Star Wars where they had taken the widescreen picture and they'd zoomed it in to fit the 4x3 mm. uh, TV screen. That's called pan-and-scan. They did it for years for movies because movies are in widescreen and TVs were more of a square figure. And so people are like, well, you're losing so much picture by doing it 4 by 3 But in this particular case, because Zack Snyder shot this and framed these images with yeah. the intention of being shot in a 4 by 3 then you're, you're actually getting more picture that way. Um, you're getting more of the image, even though I can understand that you don't necessarily like to have the black bars on the side of your screen. Um, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was fine, um, a, a little indulgent. But if that's how he wanted to do it, fine. There's no way. There is no way. If if they had gone ahead with the Zack Snyder version of Justice League, and that's what we got a couple years ago, there is no way that that movie would have been released in a 4x3 format. Maybe because it's similar to IMAX format. Maybe in the IMAX screens they would have done it that way. But in the normal theater version, they would have had a, a version that would have been framed for a 16 mm. by 9 screen. And then I don't know what they would have released on home video if they would have done a, yeah. a dual release where one's 4x3 and another disc is 16.9. I don't know. Well, and it begs the question, you know, as you're looking at the Zack Snyder film, and, and a lot of people were really behind this, like, release the Snyder Cut. Mm -hmm. We want to see the Snyder Cut. He has a lot of fans out there. Oh, diehard. I wonder if the DC universe would have had a better future if he had been allowed to finish Justice League. I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, people always say with Zack Snyder that it's grim, dark, and, and, and gritty, and there's no fun in it. And the thing is, this movie kind of, I thought, disproves this because there's some gags in this movie that, that really land that they find humor from some of the situations. Like when they're, the one fight, I forget what happened, but... Uh, basically, uh, Flash got thrown into Aquaman, and, yeah. and you know, at, at, then Aquaman like pointed him like you, and, <laughs> and Flash is like, I, I am so sorry. Like Flash had a lot of good, like yeah. humorous beats, and there's some good fun. Um, I'm not saying it's a lot. Or when of his dad celebrates that he got a real job, and he goes, Dad, Dad, calm down, you're gonna get maced again. Yeah, because <laughs> he's in prison. You know, there, there's some good stuff. There's some fun stuff, stuff in there. I think it's a little bit. Uh, even though there's a, a, a creeping fear of dark side and what could happen, there's still some moments of levity in this this story that were in the theatrical version that were also originally mm -hmm. uh, uh, intended because they're in the Zack Snyder cut of the movie as well. Well, and you talk about the darkness and, you know, kind of along with the, you know, my question about the future of, you know, DC do you think that DC has been harmed by the fact that when they sort of started their universe, so to speak, they did it in a more darker, somewhat adult version and didn't like market it to children, whereas Avengers and 
Marvel did a completely opposite thing where they have it's all geared toward family friendly kids can watch it they have toys they have everything and I feel like DC sort of went the route of more adults like a darker mm -hmm. you know they got Zack Snyder who did you know 300 and um what was the Watchmen, uh, Watchmen. um and so he's like more of the comic book retro type of guy who's really going to kind of go in that vein yeah, where he, it's he just sees beautifully these as mythical figures yes, and, exactly and, and, such. and it's going to be a little bit darker a little bit more adult i mean kids can watch and there's nothing like absolutely horrible about them but i mean they're a little bit a little little kids would probably find it a little scarier than yeah, like oh, a for sure. iron I mean, man movie I, I, mean, I always um I always think I think the biggest mistake is Batman v Superman. I really do think that was a mistake. I, a I mistake. think going dark was a very mis big mistake for them because Be Batman's so loved by kids, yeah, especially and, and especially with um, with Man of Steel. I don't think it's a grim dark movie. I think no. it's, it's, I, I really don't. They're giving a hero's almost a Batman Begins version of Superman, approaching it in a in a different way. By the end of that movie. Uh, Superman's hopeful, and I would have thought that a, a Man of Steel sequel would have picked up to 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 a Superman who was that beacon for humanity that his mm -hmm. father Jor-el had wanted him to be. You know, you can accomplish wonders and you can show them uh, wonderful things, and I, I think that's the direction that they were going. But then when they decided to do Batman v Superman, he swung around completely from that. And I, I just remember when we went to go see Batman v Superman in the movie theater, and we had this dad and this kid that were sitting in front of us. That kid was bored to tears oh, throughout yeah. that entire movie. They, the, the credits could not roll quick enough for them. It's a two and a half hour movie. I don't even think they waited for the credits. They pretty much were they, gone they left, by the end of the movie. They left before. I mean, you you go in there, you've got that weird sequence where the bat pops out of the 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 wall. Even I was scared it, by that. That was scary. <laughs> Um, you've got the, the, the nightmare, which um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then you've got Batman and Superman having a very brutal fight yeah. uh, with one another. And then you kill Superman at the end of that movie. Yeah. Um, you're, you're just... Well, and it's so funny because it seems like DC wants to copy Marvel. But at the same time, they want to do their whole different thing and like almost target a different type of audience. But it's like, well, if you want to be as successful as Marvel... Why are you doing this total 180 from Man of Steel to like Batman v Superman and all of a sudden everything's darker and, you know, it's it's not geared towards, you know, making money in the sense that children and young like people are really where money's at. Yeah. I mean, and if you're not going to, you know, do all the merchandising, if you're not going to, you know, make the investment to build up the films before you get to something like Batman v Superman or Justice League, if you're not going to do the work, you can't expect to make money like them. So it's just really strange. It's like a very hot and cold thing where like they're like oh we want to be as successful as marvel but we want to do our own thing and like target a different demographic well, and, like make and, up your mind and, and the weird thing about it is you can still do a, a superhero movie that, that takes the characters like seriously and puts them in a real world situation um and do it in a way that's not like super grim and dark yeah because they did it with batman begins and the dark knight and the yeah. dark knight rises those all made a lot of money for warner brothers um and so you can you can do it. I guess you know yeah. the, you can do it. And those movies aren't scary. They don't have things I think that are going to traumatize kids. But there's some stuff in Batman v Superman, especially. We've been very critical of that movie on this podcast, even though I, I think the Ultimate Edition's better. 
Um, it still doesn't mean that there aren't some of those images and stuff that I don't like. And I don't think a kid is going to really sit down and enjoy four hours of Zack Snyder's Justice League either. They want a relatable, you know, Batman and then a relatable Superman. And if you want your kids to really love Batman or really love Superman, I wouldn't take them to watch this. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would sit them down and watch like the old Superman movies with Christopher Reeve or, you know, um... The Michael Keaton Batman. I mean, I feel like that would be that would be a better introduction for kids to the traditional type of. And DC where DC superhero. has had some more critical and financial success has been in movies like Aquaman, yeah. which is kind of just a fun B movie type of mm-hmm. vibe to it. Wonder Woman, uh, which is just a really good movie oh, um, yeah. all the way around, and Shazam. Which uh, had a few frightening little elements in it, but for the but most part, I really was a really, it. Was it a was really fun. fun movie. And they really showed um, DC characters at their best. And they didn't go too much into the realm of Marvel, but they just kind of hit their stride yeah, in those movies. They were able movies. to do their own thing in those movies and stay within their own universe. So, But you know, those are different filmmakers. Those aren't Zack yeah. Snyder and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so let, let's get into a few things. Uh, we, we talked uh, a lot about things that we liked, and I do think there's a lot to like in the four hours of um, this Justice League cut. But there's some things in four hours that you know, you're not going to like or you're not going to understand or you don't want. I think the biggest mistake they made in this particular movie, and it's, it's a small scene, but there's a really, really nice scene between Lois Lane and Martha Kent where oh. they're talking about getting... Uh, Lois needs to... Because Lois... In, in the th- I need to backtrack just a little bit. In the theatrical version of this movie, Lois is back at the Daily Planet. She's still reporting. Life is different, but it's still kind of going on. And she does have a scene with Martha Kent in that, and it's basically a setup for a, a joke that is kind of silly. In the, in the um, Zack Snyder's version of this movie, Lois is still grieving the, the death of Clark Kent and Superman. Um, she's lost without him. And she goes pretty much every day and visits the memorial that they have mm-hmm. in the Metropolis for him. Which is why she's there when he's resurrected, because she is making kind of her daily pilgrimage to that site before sure. she's going to, then she's going to try to get back into uh, going back to work and getting back into the world, because the world kind of needs Lois Lane to be there. Um, so that's why she's there, as opposed to Batman has her as his backup plan, just mm-hmm. in case things don't do well when we decide to resurrect a dead guy and um anyway they have a nice scene with martha kent and lois lane and they're talking to each other and martha is like you know everybody sees him as the symbol but they don't really know him i know him because he was my son and i can't talk about anybody except for you but you need to get back out in the world you can't just be mourning this and, and never ever get over it. You gotta you gotta get back out there. And it's a really good scene. And then it ends and Martha Kent walks out and her eyes turn red and she transforms into an alien who then transforms into General Swanwick from the Man of Steel movies. Now Anne had no idea what was going on there. We had I had to pause the movie and try to explain what was going on. But that was a mistake. That should have just been a scene mm-hmm. between Martha Kent and Lois Lane, uh, take Martian Manhunter. The, the character ended up being Martian Manhunter. Zack Snyder has said that General Swanwick, who has appeared in both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, was really the character Martian Manhunter, who's a, a an alien 
who can shapeshift and has been kind of hiding away on our planet. He's almost as powerful as Superman. He has some like telekinetic uh, powers and stuff like that. Um, I didn't mind him showing up at the end of the, the very, very end of the movie at the epilogue, but having him show up in the middle of this movie that was already overstuffed it was didn't make any sense, and, and it really took away from that scene uh, with yeah. because you thought Lois was getting advice. Not that Martian Manhunter doesn't care about her or whatever, but you really thought that she was getting some from the heart advice that she mm-hmm. needed from her mother. What what could have been her mother-in-law? Well, and it, like you said, it sort of took away from the fact that it was in the original. Um, theatrical version, it was Batman who had Lois Lane there. Right. But really, it was almost as if Martian Manhunter was responsible for right. her being there when Superman came back. And it just sort of took away, it took away a little from bit the whole of thing. it. It, yeah. it really undercut uh, the dr- dramatic purpose, I think, of that scene, or the dr- dramatic impact from a character standpoint. Y- you take that Martian Manhunter reveal out of there, that is a super effective scene, and Lois is getting to hear something from someone who she really cares about and respects yeah. and, and needed to hear. Yeah, we mentioned some little things that we didn't like in the movie, but um, yeah, that was a huge one. That was the main one, I think, that we both agreed was awful. And, <laughs> we and, should not have done. And Anne, who's not, I mean, I'm not Mr. Comic Book. Oh, this happened in issue 17 on page <laughs> 45. Um well, you wouldn't have 45 pages. That'd be a long, long, long comic book. But you, you get my point. Um, I've, I've seen Justice League cartoons, and I'm familiar enough with comic books to know who Martian Manhunter is. Anne was like, WTF, what is <laughs> I that? I was. And so I had to pause and kind of explain who Martian, Manhunt, Martian Manhunter was, and then had to recall that the guy that he turned into after being the alien was General Swanwick, from, mm. who was Secretary Swanwick, actually, in uh, Batman v Superman that he'd been kind of a a recurring character. And I think it's the the thought of that character being Martian Manhunter is actually pretty cool, but that character portraying portraying Martha Kent and almost sort of betraying uh, the the confidence of Lois Lane in a way is, is, was not a good, was not a good decision. Um, You know, if it's a Zack Snyder movie, you're probably going to have some interesting use of pop songs, and there were a couple in here that I didn't think really worked. Yeah, that, that also was a big thing that we kind of had a problem with. Was I, the music was it was fine for some of the scenes, the heavier scenes, but I think that there were some that were didn't need music. Like yeah, that. some of the pop song stuff. There's Aquaman has a pop song in there. Um, I think uh, and the Flash scene uses a pop song. There's a couple, another one or two instances of that that I didn't think completely worked. But again, it's sort of a Zack Snyder signature thing. It's artistic. It's art. You know, he's an auteur. So uh, that, that's. <laughs> I love when so, you say that. He always, whenever he says that, he's always very like auteur. Um, and, and then. Again, I, I said the, earlier in the in the in the show here that there's probably a three or three and a half, a three or three hour, fifteen minute cut. 
of this movie that would be very, mm-hmm. very effective that would have pleased uh, the studio and most of the fans. And maybe you just do a bunch of deleted scenes or something. I, I think the epilogue was pretty self-indulgent. Now, again, I understand why Zack Snyder may never work on another DC movie ever again. And he's trying to give the fans everything that, yes. that, that he, he wants. So He basically just vomits it all out it, there. Pretty much at the end. Um, but the movie ends about four different times. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and, and we, we went to, to Return see, of the King. We went to see The Return of the King. And I will never forget, we're sitting there. And the movie ends you think the movie is ended they're flying off with the eagles and they're like oh okay there's a little bit of a coda at the end and then it fades to it black. fades to black and then there's more stuff and you're like oh, okay and people are literally in front of us like i knew it had that many endings because i mean not that it took away from the fact that oh my god there's like a million endings but i worked at the movie theater at the time and you were aware and i was aware that there were multiple endings but it was kind of comical it to sit funny. there and watch people around us get up and get their coats because they think the mu- movie has ended and then they sit back down. And then every time, there was, like you said, like four endings. And every time it faded to black and came back up, they'd get up and sit down and get up and sit down. It, it, it is really satisfying. <laughs> finally, one guy, finally one guy just got fed up. And remember, he just like threw his coat on and just left. left. He was mad. But it was actually quite funny. And then here I am trying not to laugh hysterically behind these poor people that are like getting up, getting down, getting up, getting down. And, you know, you, you do get, um, you had forewarned that the, yes. the first time that I had, that I had seen that. I think that. we went to go see it with, who did we go see it with? Did we go see it? We didn't go see it with your brother. We went I think to see we did. Somebody. We did? Yeah, okay. because didn't, didn't you, um, weren't you embarrassed because at the end when Sam picks Frodo up, we started chanting Rudy. Oh, Rudy, yes, you did. Rudy, that was, Rudy. there were a couple of mortifying times. Uh, Greg, God love him. I love you, Greg. But there are moments where the Adams boys have humor that just, the moment <laughs> is there. It's not But it's also not appropriate. And I think the Rudy, I mean, people were staring. It was also, uh, there was also the Hidalgo yeah, incident, yep. which, um, they decided when we watched Hidalgo that they were going to chant like he did in the desert, and it was not and was amusing. Mortified. There were less people in the theater for that showing, but definitely Lord of the Rings when they started doing Rudy. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy. Yeah. Now there Rudy. was one guy behind us that sort of chuckled. They thought that was funny, but I sort of gave Matt this look like, really, you guys are doing that. But it, it was funny the second time because you're not as much you've seen the movie before, <laughs> yeah. So you're not as on the edge of your seat about what what's going to sure. happen, and you know again that these like four endings are coming, and it is kind of satisfying to sort of sit back <laughs> and watch the people get up and yes. sit back down. Now and with get the up Justice League, we knew that there was going to be an epilogue. There had to be. It's a mm-hmm. Zack Snyder movie. But we had no clue what we were oh, for. It's, it's like a half hour. And uh, the, the first part of the epilogue, I think, is very satisfying. It kind of goes character by character of the main people in the Justice League. Mm-hmm. And you've got Flash. I love it. He's, he's got his job. And he's running in the streets. And he just looks happy. Um, you've got Batman's kind of reestablished himself in Gotham again. And um, he and Wonder Woman are getting ready to add more people to the team. Right, add more people to the team. Um, Superman's got his house back. Superman's got his house back. His mom can move back um, to the farm. Diana's thinking about Themyscira. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what Aquaman. Probably something. Oh, he went to go see his dad. He, yeah, that's right. That's he wanted right. to find out more about his yeah. mom and, and go then, see his dad. Um, then Superman is doing the old classic 
pull the uh, shirt, yeah. you know, some somebody's in trouble, I gotta pull my shirt open and go fly off to be Superman. And then Cyborg has a nice little because uh, his and also a big difference in the theatrical version um, of the narration at the end is done by Lois Lane. In this version of the movie, it's done by Cyborg's dad because he listens yes. to the rest of the message that he had not listened to earlier in the movie. And it's pretty powerful. And then he, he kind of goes off and um, knows that he can be the hero that, that he, he could be, that he's not broken. And, and mm-hmm. um, it's really good stuff. And then we go and we add some extra stuff. And the extra stuff is a, must have been the original version of the Lex Luthor scene where he's talking to Deathstroke. Now, didn't the they boat. have that attached to the end of Batman v Superman? I want to say we've seen it before where he, they try to get him out of the cell and it turns out he has escaped and someone else is in his place. It's, it's, it's the, was post, it at the end it's of the post credit scene of the theatrical justice league. Okay. Cause it was, I know one of the movies, it was a post credit scene. Mm-hmm. It was at the end and okay. But I felt like, why are we seeing this again? But it's an, a little extended version of yeah. somebody having replaced Lex Luthor in jail yeah. at Arkham and then he's on this boat, and he brings on Deathstroke, who's this mercenary paid assassin. And uh, in the theatrical version, Luther says, you know, all these superheroes are getting together. Maybe it's time for us to join uh, a league of our own uh, to set up sort of a, an injustice league. Um, and in this version of the movie, it was set... <laughs> That's so corny, but I love it. An injustice league. In, in this version of the movie, Deathstroke's brought on by Lex Luthor because Luthor has found out Batman's identity as Bruce Wayne and uh, Deathstroke and Batman have a history with each other and some bad uh. blood and so it's great information for Deathstroke to have. He can go and destroy, um, try to destroy Batman's reputation um, or just destroy Batman in general. And that was supposed to be a setup for Bennett before Robert Pattinson got the, the Batman uh, role, um, Ben Affleck was going to do a solo Batman movie that he was going to write and direct. Deathstroke was going to be the antagonist in that movie. Oh, okay. So that was a setup. Uh, that scene was a setup for that movie. But Ben Affleck, I think, just after all the drama with Justice League and stuff, I think he was like, well, and he had, some personal, he had some personal issues. So as well. he was needed to sort that stuff out. So I think he, his tenure as Batman, yeah. he just decided he was so he, done. He stepped aside. Although the rumor is. That in the Flash movie that is uh, getting ready to start production, that he is going to appear in that. Oh, cool. They're going to have a Bruce Wayne uh, scene or two in there. And they're also going to bring back Michael Keaton as Batman because I think Flash is going to start to delve into the multiverse. Fun. Sort of like how they're going to do that with Spider Man coming Mm -hmm. up, too. I think that's kind of a neat idea, especially when they've had. You know, you would think that they would do that with Batman because I think that's kind of neat if they did that in a Batman movie because you've had so many versions Mm -hmm. of Batman. They've never really kind of found a way to, until Christian Bale, to really do multiple movies with the same Batman after, you know, um, Michael Keaton. They were never really able to kind of duplicate that again. Let's do Val Kilmer and then let's do George Clooney. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. I think that would be, he would be a great character to do multiple like a multiverse kind mm-hmm. of thing yep. with. And Spider-Man is the same way. You know, it was owned by a different company and then it was owned by another company and then they had different versions of Spider-Man. And it's just kind of fun that I think that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, 
the animated one, mm-hmm. that really kind of showed the cool potential yeah. of having different. And it introduced and the way, idea, made, it, yeah. made the idea palatable. Well, it's a kind people. of a way for everybody to feel like it's all coming full circle, that you're not just going to have all these strings out there because there's so many different. Yeah. You can't get your act together and do like so many, <laughs> you know, one Spider-Man or one Batman. And DC really needs to embrace the multiverse concept because, you they know, do. they've already got the Arrowverse, the, you know, the TV version of stuff and they've been like for a long time they're like well if we've got this character on TV then we can't do a movie or if we're going to do a movie on this character then we can't have them on the people TV show anymore. People love multiverses if fan fiction and all this stuff has ever shown anything it is that people love multiverse alternate they universe. Can, they can figure it they out. They love it they love the crap you have to think about sometimes. I mean yeah and so so they, they basically will have concurrently sort of three Batman going around. You'll have the Robert Pattinson version, and that mm-hmm. is set in just a completely different continuity. And then you'll have the Ben Affleck version in this Flash movie, and then at some point Flash will be encountering the Michael Keaton version of the Batman character, who will be older but from a different mm-hmm. uh, different reality. That's that's so, very cool. I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be neat. So that, that'll be cool. So at least And that, I'm very looking forward to the Flash. So that's why that scene with Deathstroke was in there. Because it was originally okay. going to set up a Ben Affleck Batman movie with Deathstroke being the antagonist. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we go to another scene, which we return to uh, the nightmare that we saw in Batman v Superman. Which is a grim future in which Darkseid rules the world and he has made Superman his acolyte. And uh, it's uh, all Batman's fault, apparently, I, I guess. Well, and is Aquaman's dead? Aquaman's Wonder dead. Wonder Woman's dead. Wonder Woman's dead. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... And then, of course, they bring back the Joker, which is uh, the Jared Leto... Version, except he looks more like... Suicide Squad version, Right, but he looks more scary. like the Heath Ledger version. It's odd. It, yeah, it's very messed up. Like I didn't even want to look at him. I'm like, you're so strange looking. I and I, I just this. cannot stand his laugh either. Oh, I it's can't. like the, eh, eh, eh. it's it's, it's just, a weak. It's it's not good. Yeah. Um, if you like that version of the Joker, then good for you. Uh, this is the best version of that version of the Joker. Sorry, but I'm gonna have to say my favorite version is still the Jack Nicholson version of the I, Joker. <laughs> I mean, I, when I grew I saw Batman 1989. I just so see Michael him Keaton. dancing around with, like, 80s <laughs> pop music. I Good think stuff. that's really the epitome of Joker. It really is. I mean, that's Michael Keaton's my Batman, and Jack Nicholson's mm-hmm. my Joker. And Christian Bale was a good Batman. And uh, Every Heath generation's going to have their own version of what they like and what they don't like. I mean... But Jared Leto, Leto is not my Joker. He, Hashtag not my Joker. He tried to kind of be... It's so weird because he tried to be Heath Ledger and uh, Joaquin Phoenix in one. And it's like, mm, no, not going to work. Sorry. But the thing is, that sequence, that they, the, the nightmare sequence, was the only thing that was shot new for the film. Really? They shot that new, yes. Huh. That's interesting. Um, Everything else, I believe, was existing uh, material that do you, you think, know did visual effects work on. Do you think that they'll ever do more with the nightmare sequence? I would say probably not. Yeah. But according to Zack Snyder, his plan uh, for the Justice... He, he had a five-movie plan that included Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League Parts 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. The second part of Justice League would have primarily been spent... In this 
Darkseid has taken over the Earth, and oh. Batman and the, the others are leading a resistance to get to against him and trying to figure out a way to undo what has happened. That would have been fascinating. And, and that's where that Batman v Superman scene comes in where there's the time travel with the Flash, and he's like, Lois, Lois is the key. Because what was going to happen was uh, Darkseid was going to have killed Lois Lane. And uh, that would have sent Superman over the edge. And he would have become his... He would have used the anti-life equation to take up, to get Superman to be loyal to him. And then that, that would have uh, paved the way for that um, desolate, post-apocalyptic Earth that we see in the Nightmare sequence. Interesting, because I was curious about what Lois's role would be because um, they did, when they did the, when they showed the scene where she was getting ready to go back to work, they opened up that drawer. Did you see the pregnancy mm -hmm. test in the drawer? I sure drawer? did, yeah. And so I was wondering if when they did the end uh, chapter where it was a father twice over. I knew that they were going to talk about Barry Allen's it, it dad. It could have referred to They to were going to talk, yeah. uh, you know, they were talking about Cyborg's dad because he was doing the voiceover. Um, you know, I thought, you know, they were going to definitely do Aquaman because he wanted to go see his dad. And I thought they would mention the fact because, you know, um, Bruce Wayne at the end with their walk toward the house says, oh yeah, by the way, congratulations. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, they're going to say he's going to, you know, yeah. and I thought something's going to, something's going on with Lois and the fact that she's having Superman's baby. Right. And then it was like, well, why is Lois the key then? So I don't know. I was very confused. That was a major, that I felt like that was a major loose and I can't have been the only person you saw it mm -hmm. oh, that sure. saw that. Yeah, I mean, they, they literally had the drawer open for like 30 seconds and you could see it very clearly. There was a pregnancy test in there. It's so just, just a thermometer. Like, <laughs> I think it's a barometer. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced barometer. Um, yeah, I just, I felt like that was kind of a major loose end that they kind of let just sort of dangle in the wind. And, and from what I've read and... WB did nix this um, in Justice League. Um, Zack Snyder had intended for Lois Lane and Bruce Wayne to have a relationship. See, I can't see her having a relationship with Bruce Wayne. I could see him and Wonder Woman having a oh, relationship. Oh, for sure. There's chemistry I thought there. that they would definitely, that would kind of be a good thing. I thought maybe Zack might explore that in his version. But yeah, Lois Lane and Batman, I just can't see that. They were like united in grief. They fell in love. And then, and then, you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm sorry to have such a visceral reaction, but it's just like, no, no, I can't. I'm and, sorry. and then you wonder if, if that's the case, if that baby would have not been Superman's. <gasps> Shut <gasps> up! It wouldn't have been Superman's baby. It's like, it's like, you are not the father. It could be like on Maury. I don't understand, son. Uh, you, you can't fly. Uh, the kryptonite doesn't have any effect on you. Uh, you don't seem to have super strength. <laughs> you do like to brood a lot. I noticed that you like to brood. Well, and you know, like we, Uncle Bruce, you brood like Uncle Bruce. I love Matt because he, when we watch movies, he is so good. I will say this. I wanted to mention this because this makes me laugh, but. Matt and I seriously had a conversation about this because he knows that I work in the funeral business and 
there's always, uh, I drive people nuts, but I'm just like, my mom was watching a Hallmark movie the other day and it was like, they were going to a gravesite or whatever. And this person died like a month before. And there was a headstone there, really nice monument headstone with like all this stuff on it. And I'm like, there is no way that they would have had that monument headstone up there that fast. And even if they did, they would have done it pre-need, which means that they would still have to put the death date on there, which means that it would still not have been done that fast. And my mom's looking at me like, really? I'm like, but uh, you know, come on. This is how it works. Well, and, and even when we watched the first version of the Justice League, they had, t- when they took Superman out of the casket, I had to pause him and say, hey, wait a second. Okay, so I have a question. How are they going to bring him back if he's been embalmed? They can't do that because the embalming process means that there's no way. You're, and Matt's like, he's Superman. There's no way they're going to let him be. Em- I mean, we had this whole conversation. We did. His reasoning was that he's Superman. So they weren't going to have him embalmed because, number one, he probably wasn't going to rot you know, because he's superhuman. And number two, um, he, if they did do the embalming process, they would realize that his blood is not real blood. So they would realize that he was not a human. And they might not even be able to cut into him. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, in Batman v Superman, um, the only reason that Lex is able to do anything with General Zod's body is because he has a little blade that's made out of kryptonite. Yes. So, yeah. And, and so. If, they had, if they had done that, if they'd turned that over to the funeral home or whatever, then somebody else would have found out that Clark Kent exactly. was Superman. So we have these kind of strange, random conversations. <laughs> but I, I am glad that the executives yeah. uh, nixed the uh, Superman or uh, Batman and Lois Lane have a relationship. It's yeah, just a bad idea. I agree. That was one where I think we would have had a whole. Co- it's sort of like the embalming conversation. We've had a whole flesh out conversation about. I wonder what, how this happened. Why would they do this? What you know? But God love him. Matt is always good about answering my questions. I also did not miss the uh, the callback to the "Do you bleed?" line. Oh, I did not version. miss that at all. That was such a stupid line. It was. So stupid. Do you bleed? Do you and it looked bleed? it looked even weirder oh, when he had the lip, the lip yeah. you know. And can you imagine if you had the mullet too? The, the uh, CGI mullet. It would have just been so silly. I, I, I do wish that Josh Whedon would have gone the whole way and given him a CGI mullet. <laughs> or Zack Snyder and just given him a CGI mullet. That would have been that would have been awesome. Goes to show that some of the stuff that works in the comics just, just does, does not, not work, work on screen. Real life. Work in real la- reality just not going to happen. Oh my gosh! But I mean, there is uh, there is a lot. Uh, with I'm going to be laughing Zack about Snyder's... that mullet for a while. <laughs> there is a lot to Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's a dense movie. Um, you know, I, I, I it's a superior version of the movie. Uh, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Um, and we're we're getting up on two hours here for this uh, podcast, so we'll, we'll wow. Go ahead and, and and Howard, you know, decided that it was going to be a part, sort of like Justice League. So we have divided our podcast. Not only is it two hours, we have chapters, but we have chapters. <laughs> 
I had joked with Anne, I'm like, well, we've got to do a podcast minute for every minute of the runtime of Zack Snyder's Superman. She's like, please, no. No, I Don't make me talk about it for four hours. Oh, please, no. no. I, I even toyed with the idea of getting the microphones down in the living room and, and uh, doing a com- running commentary Oh, my gosh. Sometime we should totally do a commentary on a movie. I think it would be hysterical. <laughs> we, we would not do Zack Snyder's we do We no. do a real... We do commentary a lot by ourselves yeah, pretty sometimes. Much. Like, it's just so much fun. But, oh, you know what we should do? We should watch Return of the Batcave or the Batman, the uh, Batman movie with Adam West and do a commentary for that. I have been trying to find that because uh, that DVD is out of print. Oh, it is very yeah. expensive on eBay. We have I the Batman find... movie, but we can't find Return of the Batcave. Yeah. I can't find, uh, I don't think it's streaming anywhere either, which is too bad. I mean, they had Adam West and Burt Ward and Frank Gorshin. Back for that, wow. for what was a TV movie, and it was really fun because they, they kind of reflected back, and and then they had uh, some actors playing younger versions of all of those characters uh-huh. and stuff. It was really a fun little. It was movie. great. But well, I think um, we're gonna try to do a, a more normal podcast where we go through, you know, what are you reading, what are you writing, and all that stuff. We'll talk Wandavision, the Falcon, and the Winter Soldier, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But this this was just for the hundredth episode. Um, didn't really intend it to be this way, but this ended up being dedicated entirely to Zack Snyder's Justice League out on HBO Max. And uh, any any final thoughts on it, uh, Anne? I think we've pretty much covered it. I think it was definitely superior to the original theatrical cut. If you haven't watched it, you should at least watch it just for kicks and giggles. So that you know what we're talking about. And remember, it's broken up into chapters, so you don't have to watch all four hours. You can do it multiple nights, watch a chapter yeah. a day, you know, whatever. Make so, it last. Yep. Like good gum. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Matt Adams Podcast, the 100th episode we've been able to put together since this endeavor began. The centennial episode. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Statomatty, S-T-A-T-O-M-A-T-T-Y, <laughs> at Statomatty. <laughs> Or Matt at Matt Adams Writer. That's the first time I've ever stumbled on yeah, the old at Statomatty. S-T-A-T-O-M-A-T-T-Y. Uh, or uh, see me on email, find me on email, Matt at Matt Adams Matt at Matt Adams And Anne, uh, where can the people find you? Wherever Matt is. Or watching the epilogue of Justice League. I I will say, if I watch the movie again, I'll probably stop it after the character epilogue. Yeah, we decided that that's our three three hour and 15 minute version of the movie. Wait. And kind of like um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, we're not done yet because oh. we, we got no. we got to mention there's one more scene in the epilogue. Uh, Bruce Wayne wakes up and he has a visitor, and it's Martian Manhunter, oh, Martian who, just, Manhunter. who says he's he's in. He wants to join the league. So um, apparently that was originally going to be a couple of Green Lanterns. Oh, fun! But they they next. I would have liked that better. It would have been cool because they, they introduced the lanterns there in the uh, there's a green lantern in the sequence where Darkseid invades and mm-hmm. in the, in the where the all the forces of men and and stuff come together to, to fight him. Also, I really do think the Justice League is very optimistic um, because there's like six of them. Uh, they had a coalition of men, Amazonians, Atlanteans, Green Lanterns. And old gods, and it took all of them to beat Darkseid, but they're just like, oh, the six of us can handle them. That's pretty optimistic, wow. don't you think? <coughs> Plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Th- that will really do it for this edition of the podcast. You can actually put your coats on and leave y- the theater. You-, you can leave the building. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>